This is Glenn Hughes, the voice of rock, and you're listening to Music Mania. Get ready for some screaming heavy metal! We rock! But the evil that men do... You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. You are locked and loaded right here on the Music Mania Podcast. You know the songs right here. You'll hear the stories. And what better this week than to hear the story of Jeff Tate, former Queensryche frontman, one of the great heavy metal singers of all time, going to be joining us to talk about uh, his upcoming tour, which celebrates the 30th anniversary of Operation Mind Crime, one of the top 20 metal albums of all time. It is in my top 10, no doubt about it. I grew up listening to Operation Mind Crime to me as a lifelong Queensryche fan and always appreciating what Jeff Tate brought to the table and, and one of my favorite singers. Obviously, um, Jeff and the band have parted ways uh, since 2012, but Jeff out on the road to celebrate the 30th anniversary and the tour actually starts this week. So check out the tour dates, jefftate.com. He's got dates going through June, from June all the way through August. So be sure to check it out. Guys, Jeff Tate singing these songs or something magical about it. This is an album that was introduced to me at a very young age, and uh, it went platinum in 1991. So, you know, for Queensryche, a band that was known more of the, the progressive metal side, it was a big deal for them. They had some MTV um, airplay, you know, and they uh, had some singles like Eyes of a Stranger, um, I Don't Believe in Love. So many great songs come off that, though, like The Mission, like Sweet Sister Mary, like Revolution Calling. It is, to this day, um, you know, one of my favorite albums of all time, and it's one that you can listen to front to back, and it never gets old. And, uh, you know, talking to Jeff about it, you know, he, what he basically uh, says is that it never gets old playing these songs, and that's really cool, and he's out there, and he's just a you know, real nice dude. And I know um, for a lot of fans, it's very un- unfortunate that what happened with Jeff and Queensryche, that it didn't work out back in 2012, that they just kind of all came to a head uh, for Jeff and the band, and they and they parted ways. And Queensrÿche goes on with Todd Latore on vocals, and, and Jeff Tate going on. He's released uh, three albums under the Operation Mind Crime banner. The Key, Resurrection, and The New Reality. We're going to talk about those albums and kind of what he's got uh, going in the future. So this is a big deal as a, as a big Queensryche fan, as a big fan of Jeff's. Again, you know, we had Jeff on, I think, about a year and a half ago uh, to talk about um, one of the albums. I think it was the Resurrection album that was just kind of coming out for him. And But now to have him back on to talk about, really delve more into the album Operation Mindcrime and to talk about, uh, you know, it's recording, the process, the writing, the story. I mean, it's a very intricate story. Uh, you got Dr. X, you got Sweet Sister Mary, you got uh, all this corruption. And, and it's just like one of those like magnetic, albums that you just go back to time and again for the story for the for the music it's like perfectly crafted you don't underestimate the uh the guitar ability of of chris good um 
of Chris DeGarmo, who was tremendous, and I think that something has been missing from Queensryche, you know, since he departed. Chris DeGarmo was a key songwriter and a tremendous guitarist, and, uh, you know, he co-wrote a lot of the songs and, and wrote a few of the songs on Operation Mindcrime, uh, as did Jeff. So before we get into our interview with Jeff, I got to tell you about our sponsors, CD Warehouse in Glidestone, Missouri, for over 22 years, a staple of the Northland. I've bought 95% of the music I still own today from CD Warehouse, guys. They buy, sell, and trade. CDs, DVDs, vinyl, and more. Do not let the record store go by the wayside, guys. You go there for the atmosphere and for the great treatment from owner Randy Ringer as a CD Warehouse in Gladstone. If you mention Music Mania, they will give you a discount or it's on us. Jeff, I'll tell you, it's a pleasure. This is uh, the second time we've been able to have you on, and uh, I know you got got a lot of tour dates coming up. Things are, are really getting busy for you this summer, aren't they? I think you start here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania here uh, this week, man. The tour kicks back off. Yeah, I've had a little bit of a break. I, I started uh, I started touring in um, uh, January, and so uh had a little bit of a break here, but now I'm uh, starting off the U.S. tour and really excited about it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, you, this thing started back in January, of course, Operation Mind Crime turning uh, 30 years old as of uh, May, I think, May 4th, it came out just about a, a month ago, as of a month ago, 30 years old. Um, we kind of talk about, because obviously so much goes into the performance of Operation Mind Crime and, and the tours you've done in the past. Talk about kind of what the, what the stage show's been like and, uh, you know, kind of the, the show that people are going to see here in the States. Uh, well, you know, really, I'm just sort of keeping it... Um Music does the talking kind of tour with uh, playing the album in its entirety. It's uh, it's gone over really well uh, with audiences uh, in about fifteen countries so far. And um, I tell you, it's uh, it's an album that I never get tired of playing. <laughs> you know, it it always seems to uh, uh, go over well with the audiences, and uh, people just know it. You know, they grow up with it. I see uh, a lot of uh, people my age out in the audience. A lot of people come with their kids nowadays to the shows. I guess, uh, you know, they want to see me play before I'm dead. <laughs> and, and I'm like, Jeff, you're only 59 years old. I mean, come on, you're not even 60 yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, it's funny because well, I, I, I was... I'm not, I'm not sure... Uh, if I'm going to be able to sing this thing when I'm at the 40 year anniversary, you know, when I'm 70. <laughs> well, the truth of it is, and that's, you know, honestly, and, and the, your voice has been one that's always been synonymous with, you know, one of the one of the great voices in, in hard rock history. Um, and, and singing these songs, and I know that Queensryche has, and, and you yourself uh, as an artist has have a wide, wide range of uh, of music and, and, and vocal ranges and things that you need to do. How do you, when you play, when you sing these songs kind of, in a, you know, back to back to back, how is it on the voice? I mean, do you still feel like you still feel good singing? Is it, is it, is it tough to pull off? I mean, just kind of talk about that. You know, I, I've been really blessed and I'm very lucky. I have a strong, strong voice and my body is still uh, pretty uh, active and physical, you know? And uh, so, no, I don't really have an issue with uh, singing the music. It's more about um, traveling, you know, traveling kind of takes a lot out of you. And, uh, so I, I typically try to schedule my tours so they're like a month long, and then I have a, a few weeks off to kind of recuperate, and then uh, back on it again for a month, then a few weeks off, that kind of schedule. Because, um, especially when you're jumping around the world, um, the, the change in time really starts getting to me nowadays. I don't know why. 
but it, it really gets me. So I have to be careful with that. Well, but, you I know, think... so far so good. I'm, I've been really healthy, and uh, you know, hopefully, cross my fingers, nothing goes wrong, and <laughs> I'm able to continue on. And I mean, I've got people like Mick Jagger out there in his seventies who are still doing it, you know, really well. So, uh, you know, I got that benchmark to live up to. Well, let's kind of talk about the album itself because uh, this was. An, an unbelievable accomplishment uh, for, for Queensryche at the time. 1988, this thing comes out, and there really wasn't a lot of precedent set for the concept album in and of itself. Of course, you had things like uh, Tommy and things like that leading up to this, but just kind of talk about the process of writing. Obviously, Rage for Order was such a such a different, almost, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of progressive album for Queensryche, and then you go into this. Talk about just kind of the process uh, and the time from Rage for Order leading up to this and what kind of your concept was laying out for, you know, the music and the story for Operation Mindcrime. Yeah, well, I think if you look at our Queensryche discography, you'll see our first two records, we were moving in uh, a thematic direction. You know, we were taking uh, a theme and then expanding on it and writing several pieces of music or several songs that had to do with that subject on the record. And that was really due to me. I was trying to move the band in a, uh, a more conceptual mode. Um, that's kind of where my first love musically came from was uh, classical music and then uh, progressive rock music of the time, which was bands like Genesis and Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, um, you know, uh, Tales from Topographic Oceans, yes. You know, uh, bands like this that were doing this grand uh, large-scale conceptual pieces is where I kind of saw uh, Queensryche moving to. So I had been sort of searching for a, a subject for a couple of years when uh, finally uh, it hit me, uh, of all places in Montreal, Canada. I was living there at the time and uh, came up with the storyline for the uh, Operation Mindcrime album and wrote a few songs and then... Uh, and demoed the whole project out to the band and said, you know, this is kind of what I've been talking about the last couple of years, and this is where I'd like to see us go. And uh, the first one on board was uh, Chris, the Garmal, our guitar player, who loved the idea, and he jumped on board. And between the two of us, we kind of convinced the other guys that this is the direction we should go with the record. And then once they decided that they liked the idea, then they, they jumped on too, and it became what it is, which is a really great record. And I really appreciate it a lot more now after 30 years listening back to it. I appreciate it much more now than I did before, I think. Well, it was certified platinum in 1991. Um, talk about it from a label perspective, because this was, was this a tough sell to the record label? And was it initially, and then considered a success once it did come out going to platinum, you know, a couple years later, it was, I think gold after a year, but was this considered a success and was it a hard sell to the record label? Cause that, there wasn't a lot of precedent for this. Well, we didn't really have contact with the record label in that respect. Um, they, they kind of left the creation of the music up to us and then we'd hand it to them and say, well, this is what we have. Any ideas on how to sell it, you know? And that was their department was selling it. So, uh, I remember when we handed them Operation Minecraft when it was mixed, they were, there's a lot of, uh, head scratching going on and, and question marks over the head for people in the record company. They didn't quite know what they were going to do with the conceptual album because nobody was making concept records at that point. That was a decade before, you know. So, uh, you know, after some initial discussion with them, you know, explaining what it was we were doing, 
then they said, well, okay, well, we understand what you're doing now. So, um, let's see if we can find some singles in this, you know? And so they, they heard, uh, breaking the silence. So I think it was the first single. And then, uh, I don't believe in love the second single. And then, uh, by the third single, uh, I guess it's, uh, eyes of a stranger. They decided that we needed to make a video. And so we did that. And, uh, that video was really what really pushed the, the record over the top. And, um, you know, at, before, when the album came out, it sold pretty much what our other records had sold, which was around 250,000 records, which was considered really small back then at that time. Uh, but then once that video hit, you know, we went, we went, uh, gold in like a week, just 500,000 records, boom, yeah. like that, you know, in two weeks it was platinum. And, uh, it was, uh, it was crazy time, really crazy time because, Nobody was really expecting that, but really that was the power of television was that, you know, it's, it's, it was a very powerful tool back then. It could, it could sell anything, you know? No doubt about it. And of course the album lives on now it's on every single top hundred heavy metals albums of all time list and many people's top tens. And to, to, I think that, you know, for me over the years, having heard uh, you perform it in, in its entirety, there's something about that hearing the songs and with the interludes and everything in its entirety that you really have to hear that to, to, to appreciate it all in its, in, in its entirety. And I think that's awesome that you're doing that, especially for the 30th anniversary. I mean, just think about it. You know, it's funny as you get to be a veteran, you've been around a long time. Do these anniversaries, do they, do they mean anything? Or is it just kind of like every year you're like, Oh, 30th anniversary of rage forwarder 30th anniversary of rate, you know, operation <laughs> mind crime. It just the, the anniversaries keep coming. You've been around a long time. I guess that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got 19 albums. And um, got a lot of music there, so I'll, I'll be celebrating anniversaries for a long time coming. I think. <laughs> good, yeah, that's what. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I, I, I like the anniversaries. I, I think it's good to look back at what you've done and and you know listen to it with fresh ears and and see how it how you like it still. The funny thing about making records is is you, 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 for me at least I only know my perspective, and that is I, I I live and breathe the record while I'm doing it, and I've gotten good at finishing them you know but before there'd be little things about them that oh, oh i guess I, I wish i would have spent a little bit more time on this part or oh, i don't like the way it sounds right here and i wish this echo was better here and then funny enough after a few years you listen back to the record and you've forgotten what it was that bothered you about it in the first place and you just hear it as a, a totality rather than as a uh, a segmented thing you know and so you, you, you forget what it was that bugged you, and, and you just like it for what it is, you know? Well, you also put out, uh, under the Operation Mindcrime, a moniker put out uh, three albums, uh, that kind of, a trilogy, if you will, um, The Key, Resurrection, and The New Reality here uh, in the last few years. To kind of talk about um, those albums and kind of what, uh, you know, what, the, what the reception has been like and, and what do you see musically as far as new music uh, in the future for you? Uh, oh, that was a, a fantastic project. Um, uh, you know, that, that happened, uh, after I left Queensryche and after being in a band for 30 plus years, I really decided that I didn't want to be in a band again. I wanted to, uh, you know, have a, a group of rotating musicians, people that could come in and enthusiastically be playing music with for a while and then they'd move on and I'd get somebody different. I wanted to play with as many people as I could. And so... The trilogy project really gave me that opportunity to work with a number of different people, and so I 
I had the, the pleasure of, of uh, collaborating musically with a lot of different people and also uh, touring with a number of different musicians for those tours. And um, it was great. I had nothing but uh, fond memories. And uh, of course, I had a three album set of uh, really extreme, different, unique kind of music that I'm very proud of. Definitely, I enjoyed all three of those, and uh, I want to talk to you about your um, your wine brand, which is called Insania. Now, I've got to ask you about this as someone that is okay. I'll just be honest; I'm kind of a beer drinker, and I, you know, my girlfriend tries to get me into the wines all the time. You're going to have to kind of kind of educate me, and probably lots of my audience here. Your brand is called Insania, but you just released a new Pinot Noir, and I did say that correctly, and I'm proud of myself for that. But talk about your uh, your new wines that have just come out, and kind of how you got into this. I've read somewhere that you started making wine as a teenager, so obviously this is a passion, yep. man. Yeah, it's been one of my things, you know, like some people collect stamps or coins or, you know, I, I make wine. <laughs> I've been doing it since I was a kid. I was a Boy Scout uh, when I was young. And you could earn a merit badge if you developed and uh, a food product or a beverage. And so I was leafing through my grandmother's library and she had a book on, on how to make wine. So I read the book and it sounded like I could do it. And, and so I made my first first batch when I was 14 and I got a merit badge, which is great. But that, that really kind of sparked my, my interest. And over the years, I've just uh, done a lot of traveling around the world to some of the great wine producing regions and uh, become educated in wine and, uh, and also uh, experimented a lot and tried a lot of different wines. So I got a pretty good background. And then I had a, a a situation arise back in 2005 where I was asked to partner up with some people and produce wine. And uh, it ended up being uh, my brand that I, I put together called Insania. So our first vintage came out in 2007. And uh, we've just been steadily producing wine since then. And we do a red and a white. The red is a Pinot Noir and uh, the uh, white is a Pinot Grigio. And uh, they're you can find them uh, on the website. Uh, you can push a button. It'll take you where you can order, and they'll send it to you in the mail, like everything else nowadays. Or you can find it oftentimes at uh, uh, wine shops in your in the major cities around the country. Well, and for those that aren't aware, like, you know, in wine is something that, you know, as something that, you know, I enjoy it when I have it, but I'm not aware a lot of just, you know, you know what's expensive, what's good. This is very affordable wine. That you've got going on. Only $39. You can order it right now. That's really... I said... I'm sorry, one more time with that? I was just saying that, you know, if those aren't aware, you know, I'm someone that, like, I don't know necessarily what's what's really good wine, what's not good wine, how much is supposed to be a good bottle, but this is very affordable. I mean, um, this is... You can order it right now for $39. I mean, that's very, very affordable. Uh, the, the, the last time we had someone on actually is a winemaker in the Walla Walla Valley, uh, an athlete that we had on named Drew Bledsoe from out there. Uh, his bottles were five hundred a thousand dollars. I mean, this is very affordable and something that I mean anyone could, could could go out and purchase for a for a fun night. I mean, it's that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, it's very cool. I, in fact, I'm kind of in the wine world. There's uh, there's two sides. There's the side that think that you should make wine affordable so people can enjoy it with their meals and not have to you know go into debt or take out a second mortgage in order to enjoy a quality bottle of wine. And then there's other people who feel like wine should be priced as high as it can possibly go and, you know, make people pay, you know, 500 bucks to $1,000 a bottle, which is ridiculous. It's just yes. an insanity that somebody would pay that much money for any wine because it's, it's just not worth it. 
you know, it's a beverage. It's sour grapes, you know. It's a <laughs> beverage that you, you drink. It's not it's not something that you covet and and uh, you know jack up the price so 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 much. It's ridiculous. So, so you know? you're, so you're, I, I understand the capitalistic system is great. You know, yeah, let's make money whenever we can. But but let's not gouge people to death. Oh, ridiculous! Uh, anyway, you can that's see cool. I'm, I'm hot and heavy on this subject, you know. <laughs> I, I, no, I like that. So, so what you're saying is you're not one that would sit around swishing wine in your mouth while enjoying certain kinds of cheeses with it, or or foods. I mean, that that's the kind of stuff that where I it kind of loses me. I'm like, ah, I just I don't know. I just like a bottle of glass of wine. I don't know about all the the rest of it. Oh well, well, like the concept of, of of quality wine is that is that it's it's meant to be uh, drank with food. Sure. And it highlights food, and it, uh, the, the food also works with the wine. There's a chemical reaction that happens, and it's it's actually quite magical uh, when you pair up the right food with the right wine. Uh, it's it's something out of this world, and uh, it makes you really enjoy food a lot more. Uh, absolutely, and you can enjoy a good bottle of wine better that that way as well. Well, I'm but, excited about this. Very uh, cool. It's it's just gotten a lot of times. Wine wine drinking has gotten kind of a uh, hoity-toity kind of image uh, because a lot of people treat it that way like it's supposed to be something um, only the elite money crowd do, you know? Sure. And that's not true. I mean, people have been making wine for thousands and thousands of years, folk wines, you know, that's people, families have wineries that they only make wine for their family, you know? It's just part of uh, humanity. But, of course, you know, there's always that group of people that try to make it exclusive so they can jack up the price and gouge people you know absolutely and you know before we let you go you can, Jeff, you can hear martin let me let me just sure. say one thing sure there is there is no wine that is that should be priced more than fifty dollars yeah ever i like that <laughs> now unless unless it's a vintage wine that's been stored in ultimate conditions you know for 50 to 60 years something like that now that has the value on that is uh it can't be valued high enough because it's a pristine bottle of wine that's in perfect condition and, and has been kept correctly, you know? Now, that value is really dependent upon what somebody's willing to pay for. But no, no early vintage of wine, like a 2017 or 2018, is worth more than 50 bucks. It just doesn't cost that much to make it. Yeah, cut and clear. I like that. I'll definitely be checking this out, Jeff. And uh, before we let you go, man, I, I got to ask you about, you know, you talked about uh, at this stage of your life, you know, being, you know, you're, you're kind of tired of being in a band. You're, you've been in a band for so long and now here you are, you know, able to make your own decision, you know, make your own decisions. You kind of run the show and you've had, you've worked with some great ones though, Jeff, since, uh, since leaving Queens, right? Guys like Rudy Sarzo, Brian Titchy, uh, so many, Kelly Gray, all these guys. Let me ask you this though: who, who you got going out with you on this tour, and who can we expect uh, to see playing with you right now? Well, you know, uh, a while back, I uh, went and saw uh, Alice Cooper play at a, a benefit show he was doing, and he had this group of uh, young people, young musicians that was playing with him, and uh, they were fantastic, fantastic players. And I asked, I asked Alice after I said, "How, how do you like playing with these young guys?" And he said. Oh, I just, I, I love their enthusiasm, you know? And uh, it got me thinking. So I, I've met some younger musicians over the last couple of years, and, and I've got several of them playing with me on this tour. And I have to agree with Alice. The enthusiasm they have is, is infectious, and I love it. And I love the fact that they, are, they, they grew up on the music, and it's something that they hold sacred and dear to them, and they're proud to be playing it. 
know, and they give it their all every night. And it's just amazing to watch. And I, I'm inspired by playing with them. That is wonderful. And you deserve, you deserve that. If, if anyone else to have someone that, that, you know, pays the proper tribute to, to this great music and 30 years later, uh, from operation mind crime, here we are. And I tell you what, guys, check out this tour You can get all the dates at jefftate.com. You can also check out, uh, the wines, everything's there on, on the website, jefftate.com. And Jeff, I tell you, it's been such a pleasure. I, I've seen you perform so many times over the years and look forward to catching you out somewhere on this tour. We're in Kansas city, but I always find a way, man, I'll find you somewhere. Maybe Michigan. That's I think the closest one to me. We'll find you somewhere on the road man we really appreciate it and all the best uh always always been such a big fan and you do such a great job we appreciate it well, thanks for the interview i really appreciate it man hope to see you out on the road you bet we'll find you somewhere <laughs> thanks a lot jeff all right take care you Bye too now. thanks to jeff tate for joining us i can't tell you how much that means to me just as a as a podcast host uh, and an interviewer uh, a rock journalist as a fan Awesome to talk to him and, you know, say what you want, but uh, Jeff's a down-to-earth guy, tells it like it is, um, very open, and you know what, um, the last time Jeff was on, he talked pretty candidly about uh, about what happened in, in Queensryche and, and maybe some regrets, uh, you know, from both sides that, uh, that things went awry, but you know what, so this time, he's coming on to talk about Operation Mindcrime, his upcoming tour, and to me, there, there's no reason to, to rehash that, so... Uh, for those that want to criticize my decision to, to not once again talk about him leaving Queensryche, which every other interview has done uh, since it happened, since 2012, including me a year and a half ago, that's fine. But uh, you can actually tweet us at musicmania underscore show. We appreciate feedback, good, bad, and otherwise. Got an idea for a guest, you know, want to do a concert review? Uh, you can email us, musicmaniapodcast at gmail.com. Our website, musicmaniapodcast.com. It's got all the interviews archived, all my show reviews, and I got Guys, I've got a ton. This summer is as packed as any in history, to be honest. I uh, just got through with a, with three shows in the last week. Um, Poison, Alabama, and Herman's Hermits. Yes, 60s superstars, Herman's Hermits. Saw them on Saturday night at the casino. Peter Noon, 70 years old, still rocking, still sounding great. That was a tremendous experience. And I've got Tom Kiefer coming up. I've got uh, Weezer coming up. got Brian Adams coming up. Alice Cooper. Um... Def Leppard, so many things going on this summer. It's uh, my concert schedule's full, I can tell you that, and it's going to be a pleasure to to talk to a lot of the artists from from these bands as, as this goes forward. And I tell you what, this summer your money stays and plays right here on this podcast. You know the music already. We're here to tell you the stories. That's what it's about talking to these legendary musicians, and that's what we're going to continue to do all throughout the summertime. Remember, MusicManiaPodcast.com. Be sure to join us next week. We'll be joined by none other than Poison drummer Ricky Rocket right here on the Music Mania Podcast.